Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, I'm Ashley Lemieux, and I'm here to help you uncover the greatest power in your life. You! After going on my own healing journey, I realized I was looking for the wrong thing, a way out. But I didn't need a way out. What I really needed was a way in, to fully uncover who I am. Each week I'll be sharing tangible tools and inspiring interviews to help you create a clear pathway forward in areas of your life that you might feel stuck or overwhelmed in. I'm not here to be the expert on your life. You are. What I want is to help you believe that. So get ready to reframe your thoughts, reimagine your future, and reclaim your power. Are you ready? I am. Hey, thanks for being here again with me today. You guys, I am so excited because I'm interviewing, oh, probably my favorite person on the earth. Um, you guys have gotten to know my dad, Father Shine, on Instagram a lot, and you all are obsessed with him, <laughs> and he's so funny, so you know a lot about him, and often I get asked, well, where's your mom? Uh, my mom doesn't love being in photos, but she does love a good chat. So today we have, I mean, dare we call you Mama Shine? We have Mama Shine today. Uh, she's shaking her head. No, she doesn't like that. And we, she's going to impart so much wisdom on us today, but mom, say hi to the friends. Hi everyone. This is Ashley's mama. How is everybody out there? We're excited to talk to you today. Um, and I'm excited to hopefully impart some wisdom in this topic that is so important. My mom's so cute. This is obviously her first podcast ever. So she texted me earlier. She's like, how does this work? Is this live? Is it videoed? Are people asking me questions? And those were all valid answers because it could have been any of those things. But um, so this is your first podcast. I'm honored that it's with me. And she's also really cute because she's put so much thought into this. She brought her notebook full of ideas. You hear her wrestling through it. But so she's really prepared. And today's topic is so important and it is I am breaking the cycle creating the type of family I always wanted and I want to start this conversation out by having my mom share with you a little bit about how she grew up so I grew up in the west and I had shelter I had food I had clothing but my mother was raised in a home where she was not necessarily wanted Um, And her father was an alcoholic. So that is another podcast all in itself. But it did not give her the tools to love and nurture children. So as I was growing up, there's many things that happened early on that affected me as a child and also made me ask a lot of questions as a very young child. One of the things that happened is I was left alone quite a bit. 
my mom really couldn't deal. She didn't know how to necessarily love. I hold an older brother that was three years older than me, and we kind of fended for ourselves. My dad and my mother divorced when I was four years old. So at that time, um, she was the parent that was in our lives. Um, There was a time when it was really hard for my mom to take care of me. And so she felt like I was sick a lot. Um, I'm not sure that I was, but I was hospitalized. And I would be put in the hospital. And hospitals back in that day were probably a lot different than they are now. You kind of stayed in a cage. They were metal bars around a crib. And I, to this day, have anxiety about hospitals and the smell of hospitals. But anyway, as I am in this this crib, I am longing for somebody to care for me. And I am feeling that void of somebody not caring for me. And you may say, hey, give your mom a break. She did care for you. She cared for me the best that she could. Mm-hmm. She brought to her the table the tools that she had and probably more. But it that was not sufficient for who I was as a little child. Or for um, who anyone would right. have been as a child. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So lying in this crib as... Um, a very young child, I could go through in my mind, which I think maybe is kind of rare, just things that I wanted to be and what I wanted my life to look like. And one day I asked my brother while I was in the hospital, we lived down the street and he was playing outside and there was a window and I asked him to go get mom. I really needed somebody. And so he ran home and he came back and he said, mom's too busy. She can't come right now. And I remember collapsing in a heap and having this sense of, I will never be too busy. I will never be too busy. And kind of repeating things about, the direction I wanted in my life. At that time, I also had a very spiritual thing happen to me. We were not any denomination. We had not talked about God in our family. And I did feel the sense of a being taking care of me and holding me and giving me encouragement. And for some reason, I came out of that whole little time frame in that hospital with a knowledge of who I was, who I was going to be, and a lot of self-esteem. And that kind of catapulted me into my life, into situations that I probably could have cracked and crumbled, but I had this behind me and forging me ahead. Thank you for sharing that with all of us. I just want to take a second to honor that time in your life, especially I know it's not easy to talk about, and I appreciate you sharing that with all of us. And this story happened when you were little, this particular hospital story. How old were you? Four. 
she, you were four years old. And so when I, when you told me this before, it is so profound that at four years old, you had this ability to think I'm never going to be too busy. It was this loneliness that you felt that was so strong that at a young age, you were like, this isn't going to be me. This isn't going to be my life forever. And there's obviously a lot of other things that happened growing up that, like you said, could have made you crack and crumble. But at a young age, you started uncovering who you were without anyone else telling you who you were because there was nobody really building you up or building up your self-esteem or giving you those tools that as a child were taught by by our moms or by our dads or, or were supposed to be taught. You started figuring those out on your own. I remember a time in high school where sometimes my mom and I would get in fights in high school because... We just butted heads um, because we both have strong opinions about things. <laughs> but I remember one time you came and you sat in my room and we had just gotten in a big fight. And the, that was the first time you told me this story. And it was really the first time that you had expressed to me how hard it was for you growing up. And there was a particular moment, and I've never asked you until, I guess, right now, but you told me that when you were younger, you, your brother, and your sister all made a pact that you were going to be better parents to your kids than you had. Can you tell me more about about that? That actually came a little bit later in life when we started having children. And I'm, I'm not sure my sister and brother will remember this conversation, but all three of us are extremely and still are involved in our children's life. And sometimes we've questioned, are we too involved? <laughs> um, you know, not just opinionated, but also being there for them at all times and all costs. And that was a conscious decision, I think, on all three of our parts. There's a lot of things that you can say about us individually, but the good part about what you can say about this, and I stand by this, is we love our children. We love our children unconditionally. And that is something that doesn't always come naturally. Maybe you learn it, but it was a specific thing that was important enough to us that we kind of forged through that and said, our children are going to feel differently about us as parents and about their lives in general. So, and, and like I said, that came, that came a little bit later in life. We weren't super young or anything, but um, it was important for us to let our children know how much we loved them and cared about them. So going back then to when you were four and you're like, I'm never going to be this. I'm never going to be too busy. When did you 
decide that you had the power to not have this family dynamic be your your family dynamic forever? When was that moment where you were like, this is the cycle that I was born into. It's been in my family for generations. I have the power to make this stop. You know, it's interesting, and I pray as you guys are listening to this, that you have that role model that you can fall back on, because I think that was a big part of my life. My dad's mother, who we call Birdie, um, my grandmother, was an angel here on earth, and she instilled in me to love life and to love being who I am, and she embraced me for everything that I was at, at, at a young age on up until she died. And when I say that, you have to picture Birdie living in a cottage, a very small cottage. When I, when I first would go to her house, she had an outhouse that tells you something um, on a lake in Wisconsin. And we would go outside and she loved life. And she would point out every bird, every squirrel, rocks, trees, the water. We would canoe together. We would sing together. And one day she was riding her bike and I was running beside her. And she looked over at me and she said, you run like a deer. Now, anybody who knows me, knows I don't run like a deer. <laughs> I'm a swimmer. But my grandma really thought I was running like a deer. She believed so much in me that I believed in myself. I thought that I was great and wonderful. And I remember one day she went out and shot a squirrel, which was very sad to me. But as she brought in a house to make squirrel whatever stew squirrel stew (laughs) i remember her just thanking the squirrel Mm. and loving that squirrel and she she just taught me to to love life and to to appreciate everything about anybody or anything um and because of that i think that instilled in me that even when bad things are going on around you or you're in a bad spot or whatever, there is beauty everywhere. And I saw that with my grandmother. And during my darkest times, I could see that beauty. So that that was a very pivotal part of my life to have such a special person. And, and she wasn't the only one, but but she was... So, I mean, you know, Ashley will tell you, she's met her. Um, she's, she knew her and she knew that she was loved and she saw how much my grandmother meant to me. So you had that one person really who you could look to kind of as your North Star, even though you didn't see her often. How often did you even see her? every summer or sometimes sometimes every summer and then at one point I moved back to Wisconsin and so I was able to see her a little more during my my high school years yeah but so growing up it was maybe once a year in the summer and 
I, I also want to add right here, you know, for those of us who who might be involved in the lives of kids who aren't biologically ours or um, we see a need and so we're wanting to step in and we wonder, is this actually going to matter? I think this is a great example. And I've also heard before that kids just need that one person that they know that no matter what happens or where they are, that that person is there for them and that they love them and that they have like this safety net to fall back into. And I just wanted to point that out to encourage any of you who might have, you know, maybe a child that you don't have a great relationship with right now or um, a foster child who's no longer with you or you're a volunteer somewhere or you're a stepmom or stepdad or wherever that is, is knowing the impact that you can have even if your time with that person is limited because of situa- situations that are beyond your control. So you have this grandma who's teaching you these things about life that you would never have learned. And I'm going to interject and also say those things about nature and you loving canoeing and you pointing out the birds and the rocks and all those things. It's really cool because my mom has passed those down to all of our kids and they are obsessed with nature because of what my mom taught taught them because of what her grandma had taught her. And so it's really cool because as I as I'm listening to you say this, it's not that you wanted to break the whole cycle of your family because you carried those really good parts into the relationship with us and also your grandchildren. So how did you how did you start recognizing what it was that you wanted to bring with you as you became a mom and grew your own family and what you wanted to leave behind? So I think it's it's important in my life that I realized my self-worth early on and where, whether that came from God or Grandma Birdie or a step-grandmother that I have that really influenced me also, um, I, I, did, I did have that knowledge. And with that knowledge becomes power. I was, quite honestly, afraid to have children. Um, and okay, it, can we pause there for mm-hmm. one second? that's a really brave thing to say. And for those listening who are in this situation or who aren't in this situation, it's okay to be afraid to have kids. And I think a lot of times we grow up thinking and hearing that that's what we're supposed to do. And that's it. And other people are so excited about it. And, and then we think, well, what's wrong with me? Because I don't feel that way. So thank you for saying that. And I just wanted uh, to pause and acknowledge that you were afraid to have kids. Okay. So I was afraid to have kids and for a lot of different reasons. And when I made the decision that it was time for us to have a child, I remember crying and being scared, but also knowing that I was going to create my own tools. And that actually took me a little bit out of the fear zone and more into the excited zone where I was looking forward to this little person. 
I remember thinking, and I've seen kind of a quote along this line, but one of the things I thought is, my child is going to be born loving me. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's, you were doing like mantra mind work before before you even knew what that was. Okay. Yes. So let's throw that out. Can you say that again? Write this down because this is such a great just a great mindset to be practicing and telling yourself before children, if you're afraid to have them during pregnancy, say that again. My child was going to be born loving me. Mm. And I felt with the tools that I had in place, again, from myself, from God, from role models I had in my life, that I would be able to sustain my love for my child and that love for back to me would also be there. So th- that was a very important part. When I had Ashley, who's my firstborn. You're lucky that I was the first because I'm just such an angel baby princess girl. She was, let's say, <laughs> cut out the angel, but princess girl. Um, she was the type of baby who had to have a certain type of pacifier and lay on a serp side. And Not the, much has changed. No. So, <laughs> but um, my at the time, I did I did not have to work, and before I had her, I had made the decision that I was going to go back and and work full time, and then I had Ashley, and I quit my job outside of the home. And that's important to know. The job inside the home is crazy busy. And I'll never say I decided to stay home. I decided to work um, in my home and raise my children. Um, And that that was a very important step for me because that realization didn't come until I saw her and I started thinking about what I wanted to impart to my children. And one of the biggest things on my list that I made of life was I was going to be there as much as I could be. I realized people work outside the home. I realized that, but you can still be there as much as you can be. And that was very important to me, that quality time with my children um, so that I could nurture and love and take care of them. And they would never feel like that they were alone. Like you had felt. Yes. And, and that was your way, I think, of also creating safety for you so that you could ensure that we didn't feel alone because you knew that you would always be right. there with us. Can you tell us some of the other tools that you put into your toolbox uh, as we were born of, these are the things that I am going to bring with me to teach to my children, even though I didn't have them. I think a lot of those, you can kind of line up in, a, in an interesting way. One of the things that I, I knew that is I would never degrade my child. Hmm. So I'm going to be honest and tell you I was degraded. I had a lot of self-esteem that I think I kind of told you came to me at a young age. Not everybody has that. And so if you start tearing down a child, that's who they become. Um, And I wanted, I didn't want my kids to ever felt that way, feel that way. 
And maybe, maybe Ashley can, you know, say something to that. I mean, do you feel like that I ever tore you down? No, you never have torn any of us down. And in fact, you always, I mean, it's really cool because if I tell my mom I'm doing something kind of crazy or I'm launching a company or I'm writing a book that no one wanted to publish at first or I'm doing these things, you've never questioned that. You've never been like, you can't do that or you shouldn't do that or you should be doing something else. You've always been just so supportive so that I'm also seeing the best in myself. And honestly, I don't know if I would be here in my life the way I'm able to show up for it if you hadn't instilled all of that confidence and support and like you can do it uh, mentality inside of me and then also you know, my brother and sister. Um, so yeah, you, I can definitely vouch for that one. I think it was important for me to teach my children, our children, how to think outside the box. So a lot of times society will dictate what's best for your child. And that's where you can go into yourself and say, I will dictate what's best for my family or my children. How do you... How did you know what was best for us when you weren't necessarily given the best for yourself? Because I think a lot of people maybe who are listening to this, who are in the situation of, I want to create the family that I just never had and them knowing, well, I want the best for my child. So I'm going to give that to them. How did you know what the best was when you didn't have anything really to pull that from? I think when you look at a child as your most treasured asset and you and you you just look into their eyes and you realize they can become and you truly believe that they can become anything that they want and you in your mind support their dreams their aspirations not your dreams not your aspirations they're different they're different and every child will be different and when you when you're able to really encompass that and focus that and understand the individual worth of your children, that's where that kind of comes all into play. There's there's a couple of things that happened um, in you know raising children. One of them was what society wanted for your children. Um, also, we lived in a very competitive area. Really competitive. And... I don't know how I necessarily did this, but I did not compare my children to other children. And that is so important because once you do that, you create a cycle of jealousy and pushing your child to maybe do something they don't really want to do and maybe not liking certain people because their child's better at something. My children were individuals. I wanted them to do the best they could for themselves. That was 100% how I felt. And Ashley will tell you, and Brooke will tell you, and Chandler, my son, who played tons of sports, I was always there. I was always present because I wanted them to succeed. But if they failed, I was still there. So I was a competitive swimmer growing up. And at a very young age, 
I was very good. And I was training at a college, an AAU team, it was called. And my mom never came to my meets, ever. And one day I saw my neighbor at one of my swim meets. And I said, oh, why are you here? And she said, well, your mom wanted me to come. And I remember kind of taking that deep breath of maybe it would be better if nobody came than to have a substitute come. Like, I, I couldn't really formulate how I felt about that. I don't know why my mom could, would never come. I, do, I, don't, I didn't understand that. But that's one of those realizations where I'm going to be behind my child everything they do. I'm going to support what they do. I'm going to love what they do. If they're rounding the bases and fall on their face, I'm going to be there. It's okay. And it's okay if my kid's not the very best at what they try to accomplish. It doesn't matter because I'm there. And I, and I will say that for their dad also. Not only was he there, a lot of times he was the coach and he was the person that was really there. So that was very important to both of us. I grew up as a young child in the 60s. And some of the patterns that you see were, that just wasn't a, a big part of life. You didn't engage necessarily in, in everything that your child did. And your children were kind of silent. And there was, there was just something wrong with that picture that didn't feel right. And so that's one of the things I wanna say. If you're going along and society kind of dictates, hey, this is what you should do to have a great family or this is what you should do to be a great mom, but it doesn't quite fit or feel right, figure out why and then do what feels right. Do what feels right. My children will tell you I was their biggest advocate. I look back sometimes now and go, "Eh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. But I was always going to be step out and be there for them. And let me give you an example. This is kind of a silly example. Ashley made the all-star softball team. And they got to, they were in the tournament. And she didn't play the first game, which was really odd. She was good. I, I couldn't figure out why. She was batting really good before the tournament. And I just kind of thought, you know, okay, coach, you know, whatever. The second game comes, and if, and if we lose the second game, we're out of the tournament, the all-star thing. That means we lost, and uh, she didn't play. But two people that were alternates played, and I was... So I was the only one on the whole team who didn't play. And right. we were younger, probably junior high, so junior everyone high, was supposed to play. Right. It was like a rule. <laughs> right. But she was also on the all-star team. This wasn't like, oh, she just didn't get to play. Like, this was this is where you put the all-stars. I remember writing a letter to the coach. Yes, you did. <laughs> and and I was furious because I could I couldn't figure out how you take a group of young people that you mentor and that you coach through life, basically, and then you sit one on the bench and you let and you lead them to believe that's okay. That's just part of life. I never bought into that. That was that I never bought into that. You can go in and fight for your children sometimes and it's okay. 
And there's sometimes you need to step back and take a breath and maybe they can fight for themselves. But in this case, I had to write the letter. Well, the acknowledgement I got from the letter is he didn't really realize that she didn't play. And that was spoke volumes to me about the different person I am than a lot of people. I care about those things. I would have known who was on the bench. It wouldn't have mattered if they were my child mm -hmm. or not. So instill that in yourself. You are rooting for every single child out there. You don't know their background. You don't know where they've, came, they've come from. And you be their biggest cheerleader, no matter what. Fortunately, Ashley had a lot of support at home, but that's not always the case. And so I think it's important to realize, you know, and care about that. Yeah, that's such a good example. Thank you. Okay, so we had some of those tools that, that you now had in your toolkit. Thank you for sharing those. And I feel like, I mean, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but over the past few years, you've also gotten to a place of coming to terms and really acknowledging also that your mom gave you the best that she could. And I feel like that's helped you also um, help mend some things in that relationship. Can you, or do you want to speak more a little bit about that or how, you know, if, if there's people listening and there's just this, there's these hard relationships in their family that just feels like is just breaking their heart. How can you get to this place of maybe not even ex having to accept, you know, the mm -hmm. pain that they've brought you, but coming to terms with, you know what, this is the hand that they were dealt with. And now I'm coming to peace with trying to understand that they did the best that they could with what they had. Okay, so there's two parts to that. Let me describe my mother just a little bit. Coming from this family of feeling, you know, not a lot of worth. My mother is extremely bright, very brilliant, um, worked outside the home, um, accomplished a lot. So she, uh, she was a piano player. She sang in a worldwide choir. She was just um, very very talented person. Um, so there are things that I did learn from her. And, and one of those things was not to ever give up. Mm. And I think that was instilled with my children, that if something was hard, you didn't give up. Now, maybe the way she taught me that wasn't always the, you know, greatest way, but it's something that was instilled in me. The other thing was my independence. I grew up to be very independent at a time when, when she, she was forging through barriers. Um, and, and I saw that in her. I saw a strength in her. Um, and so, so you look at that and you think back to, uh, I was born and I loved my mom. Um, and then this, this part of where I've seen a quote, something like this, where it just said, and then you judge your parents and then you get to forgive your parents. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure my children have to forgive me of things that I did. Um, there's things I look back on raising them and going, okay, yeah, that wasn't probably, you know, the greatest thing. But having said that, there are boundaries with my 
almost 90-year-old mother now. There are things I will not tolerate. And that is okay. It is okay to stand up for who you are, what you believe, who your children are, and not have to listen because, well, this is your mom. Or, okay, I'll listen and then I'll ignore it now. She knows. I'm off the email list right now because those emails that came out crossed boundaries with me. So I'm off the email list. Okay. What are some other things? What are some other things that you've done to set boundaries with hard, you know, hard family members? Because I think this is really important. And especially if that person is your mom or your dad or sibling or they're in your media family and you just feel like, I think sometimes we feel like we owe something to them or we need to be respectful. So setting boundaries isn't respectful, but then it just weighs down our current family and who we are now, how have you set boundaries? I am a pretty vocal person. Um, I'm not afraid of anybody. I'm going to be honest. Um, and I'm, and I'm not afraid of my mom. And I used to be as a child, I would, I lived in fear. So when we got to that point, um, as I grew older and older, I could tell her, this is unacceptable. This is not, we're not going to move forward here. This is not a situation I'm comfortable in. My mom, just so you know, has apologized to me. It doesn't mean that she's necessarily changed. And I'm not sure how much of the apology I've accepted. That's something I'm still working through. But she knows it was tough. And she has tried to make amends. And I think that's very important. It doesn't mean I have to throw open my arms or my door or um, let her, you know, still say things that might be hurtful or unkind, but it means that I take her in small doses and have an understanding of, of those smaller steps. So you don't have to take this huge step with, with what's happened in your life. I can think of so many people that I know that might be very hurt by something and it doesn't mean, oh, okay, you need to get over it and open that door. No, you can crack the door. You can crack the door and still have a relationship and also realize that maybe you'll teach her some things that she didn't know or understand. And like I said, my mom has taught me some valuable lessons. And I appreciate her for that. So I think that's also a really powerful point of view, you know, being able to move forward and and start really creating this family that you wanted. Not only did you come up with some of your own tools from what you want your family to look like, but you did also go back and say, what are those things that my mom did teach me that have made me who I am, that I'm proud of, that I can then pass on to my kids and you learned those things a really hard way but she still taught you very valuable lessons that have made you who you are and i think being able to honor that and not dismiss that because we you are who you are because of what you've been through and part of that was how you were raised and so being able to find a way to come to peace with that and 
you know, I say this sometimes of well, maybe it didn't happen to me, but it's happening for me. And your your childhood, I think that you recognize this too because of who you are, that it was something that happened for you because of who you became from that. Would you agree with that or disagree? No, I, I agree with that. And I think I think these some of these tools that I have have been so fine-tuned because of my upbringing, because of the good things that I did have. Let me just share a story of something that happened. My son played on an inner city football team and he was a quarterback. And a lot of times several members of the team were sitting out because of grades and it affected his play because a lot of times they were the old linemen that were supposed to protect him. And I got to know these kids very well, as, as much as my family did. They became children that we knew and young men that we supported. And one day I was sitting with the ones that were in trouble, not down on the field. And Chandler, my son, took a hard hit. And I turned to the kids and I'm like, why aren't you out there protecting him? And, and they just kind of looked at me. They called me Mrs. Chandler, by the way. <laughs> and one of them said, well, Mrs. Chandler, we don't have the grades. And I said, yeah, okay, well, well, but look look what's happening because you don't have the grades. So how can we change this? And we're up in this skybox having this conversation. And I said, don't you get in trouble for not having good grades? Does, you know, doesn't something happen? And one of the kids looked at me dead serious and said, nobody cares mm. about our grades. Mm. And I was like, okay. I care. And you guys are going to start letting me know how your grades are and what problems you're having. And I will help facilitate tutors or whatever we need in school to get you guys back on the field where you need to be. And I, and I just remember, even though I was raised a certain way, here I'd kind of forgotten, you know, where was their support? They they didn't feel support. So why did why did they care? Yeah. It didn't really matter. They weren't getting in trouble. Um, it wasn't a huge deal. And it was important for me to let them know how much I cared about them. It wasn't just for my son's sake. It was for their sake. And so I think that also is that, that second part of that is you will sometimes forget the very things that drove you to your knees and then you'll see a child that's driven to their knees because they don't have support. So you have to kind of keep that in balance and go, wow, don't judge. Be there. Find out their story. Know where they're coming from. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I want to ask you one last thing before we end this podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing these tools on, and um, just helping us, helping a lot of our listeners understand how can I create the family that I want but never had. For those who are listening who maybe they have a family now of their own and they just feel really overwhelmed because they feel like they're not doing a good job or that's really hard or they're falling into old patterns or to those who want to start a family but grew up really hard and so like you they were they're afraid to have kids they're afraid if they're going to be good enough. I put quotations around good. What's the final thing that you want to say to them? I think the 
the very final thing is to to cherish your relationships and cherish your children. And if you really look at your children as a treasure, as a being that needs love and support, you're not going to be as quick to anger or judge or try and format them exactly like you are. You're going to let them breathe and run and be who they are. You need to see that big picture. And if you can't see that big picture, then you need to pray about that big picture. You need to ask a higher being, who is this that has been created and sent for me to help get through this life? And then that turns around someday and that child becomes your friend and your confident and you support each other. So don't be afraid to try these things. Don't be quick to anger and don't be quick to criticize. And just remember that you love and cherish your child. That's the the first and foremost thing. And as someone who has come from a cycle of really broken and hard families, I can tell you from being the kid of a mom who broke that cycle that my life is totally different than hers. And it's totally different than hers was, I should say. And it's totally different than it would have been had she not had the courage to break the cycle, had she not had the confidence to say, you know what, this is what I know, but I also know that there's a better way and I'm going to fight tooth and nail to figure it out. So I'm the product of a courageous mom who broke that cycle and taught me a better way. And for those of you who are wondering, can you do it too? I just want you to know that you can. And I want you to see our relationship and see who I am and know that I was raised by a mom who had a really hard upbringing and she chose to raise me and my siblings in a completely different way. So it's possible for you. I want to end this podcast with just doing a couple mantras with you. And maybe these are ones that you can take through your week and help you find some peace and some confidence in them. If you just want to close your eyes for a moment. I know that we talked about some things today that might have brought up some heavy feelings. And I'm just really proud of you for being here and and sticking with this and for wanting to commit to a better way. And so just say these out loud or in your head if you're around people and you don't want them to hear and think you're nuts. Um, I am paving a bright future. I am creating a safe and happy environment for my family. I am filled with love and I give love freely. I am breaking the cycle. I am a great mother. Thank you for being here with me today. Thank you, Mom, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Ashley. You are a great mother. Thank you. And I'm grateful for you. And we'll see y'all next time. 
Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the I Am Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. I love hearing from you online. So if there's something that really resonated with you, come and let me know. Share a screenshot of this podcast and tag me on Instagram at Ashley Kalemu so I can see what's impacting you the most. It might even help your friends. And remember, every time you ask yourself, am I really strong enough to do this? The answer is, I am. See you next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.